1: Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Martha Shedden. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm so pleased to have two special ladies with me on the show, Erica Baird and Karen Wagner. Erica is a retired lawyer with a career spanning four decades. She was the first woman partner in the general counsel's office of her then big six accounting firm working in the U S and abroad on some of the major financial issues of the day. Karen also a retired um, lawyer was the first woman litigation partner at her global law firm in New York city. And she practiced law for 40 years after they retired Erica and Karen co-founded Luster for retired career women who want to defy stereotypes and create a new paradigm for the next third of their lives. They also wrote a book and have partnered with various entities offering goods and services of interest to their cohort. Welcome to the show, Erica and Karen. Thank you, Martha, for having us. Thank you very much. Yeah. First of all, I want to give each of you a chance to elaborate on your stories. Um, What inspired you back in the day to go into law? Um, You were breaking so many stereotypes at the time. What was difficult or surprising or even just fun about your careers? Um, Maybe I'll
0: go first. This is Erica. Uh, I became a lawyer over my own objections and becoming a lawyer. I grew up in a family with, with lawyers and I definitely decided I wasn't going to do that. And then I started working after college and realized that if you didn't have a credential as a woman, some special credential that others didn't have, you were not guaranteed anything, whether it was a job or promotion or a career. And I knew that I wanted to be financially independent, whether I was married or had a partner or whatever, I knew I wanted my own money and I knew I wanted to do something. And since I'm terrible at science um, and math is not really my thing either, that left a law degree. So I went to law school really because I wanted to have a career, I suppose is the right way to say that. And law school was okay. There were a lot of, Karen and I actually went to the same law school at different times. I'm slightly older. Um, but the, you know, there were a lot of women there. And so, especially we went to law school in New York City. So there were a lot of women around. And we didn't feel particularly um, particularly discriminated against or made to feel different. But then we got into the working world and it was like, whoa what's going on here? And we were forced into kind of, I would say the world of gray pinstripes. All of a sudden we were supposed to be silent. We were supposed to be gray. We we're a lot of gray and Navy and sit in the back of the room and not say anything. And nothing was kind of designed for us. And we were kind of confused, I would say. I mean, kind of, was, it was a shocking kind of time to be. You're just back in grade school, you know, put your head down, do really good work, get an A and go away. That was kind of our role. And then as we got more confidence and we banded together with other women, there weren't a lot of us, we we started to come out as women in the workplace. And we did that first with our clothes, not with our mouth. Our clothes were our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we kind of, you know, I, I started in four inch heels and patent leather and <laughs> colors and velvet blazers. And, and Karen can tell you what she wore. And we started kind of saying we need to be seen here. Yeah. And, you know, over time, we got our seats at the table. And then long story short, and turned turn it over to Karen for her story. We can talk about this more later. We got to the retirement age. And all of a sudden, we were back in the world of gray. We were invisible again. And Karen and I kind of took a while for us to figure it out and said, Oh my goodness, this is happening to us again. (laughs) So we were, you know, what's wrong with us? Um, We were, you know, trailblazers back then, part of a cohort of trailblazers. And we said, you know, maybe this is just a new time, and we we are gonna have to trailblaze again for those that come after us and for ourselves too. So we founded Luster because we just were we needed to be faster. It couldn't take us last time it took us years, you know, to get yeah. our to, to emerge from our cocoon. We don't have that, you know, thousands and thousands of years in front of us. So we said we gotta we gotta get on this and move quickly.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's great. Yeah, that must have been um, tough in the beginning. There, I can relate a little bit to all of that. Um,
2: Karen, tell us, tell us your story. Sure, it's a, it's a little different for America's, but we ended up in the same place. My parents were in the the United States Foreign Service, so I grew up abroad. I never met a lawyer until I was much older, and um, the one thing I came away from the Foreign Service experience wanting in my life was to live in New York City. So that was the pole star for me. That's where I wanted to be. So uh, my, our parents brought us back to the U.S. for high school. And then uh, our parents died when I was 18 and left us with nothing. And so I decided right then, okay, I need a career now and I need a career that's going to support me. And I can't count on anybody to be around. So I've got to work and I decided, I have no idea, to be honest, why I decided on law school, because I didn't know any lawyers, but there you go, and um, it turned out to be fantastic. From the first time I I came to law school in New York City, so I achieved that goal as fast as I could, and from the first moments I was in law school, I just loved the law. I loved learning about it. I loved everything about it, and as Erica said, was around 50% women, so it was great. We were having fun and blah, blah. And then, yes, we got to uh, practicing, and um, we had to be little men. And uh, I was a little man for a while. I took it to extremes. I actually wore a tie, which is a bit much, but I did that. And then I said, well, this is just nuts. And, uh, like, Erica decided to come out and dress like a female person, And it was right at the time when there were designers now creating office clothing for women, like Diane von Furstenberg with her wonderful wrap dresses and things like that. So that made me feel much better. And um, I ended up having a wonderful, wonderful practice. I loved being a lawyer, everything was just terrific. And uh, as Erica said, then, you know, we both of us achieved a high level in our practice. And then overnight, it was like, "Hmm. nobody knows who you are. Nobody really cares who you are. Everybody thinks you're probably, you know, lost in the wilderness and you're going to sit in a rocking chair for the rest of your life watching flowers grow. And it seemed so surprising to us that anyone would think we would go from who we were to that, that we decided let's get to the bottom of this and figure out what is going on. Why do people think this and how are we going to change it? And so that's what we did. We, we First, we got an office together and we would sit and talk. It's like, what? Why is this? And we figured it out, we think. And then we decided, okay, we got to change our image. Just when we started out, there was no real image of a working girl, if you will. So we were part of the women, changed that. And now here we are again. Now we have to have an image as a retired career woman which is very, very different from the retirees of the 50s, which is when a lot of this started. First of all, they were men. But second of all, it's just totally different. We have a 30-year lifespan still. Everything is different about who we are now. So we decided to just start a blog and just show everybody who we really are and what we really want. And so that's our story to date, but we still have plenty of things to do. And you really have tapped into something. We feel as if we have, there's really a very, very strong response. And uh, we have a right. lot of followers now and a lot of them communicate with us and they say, Oh, we're so happy to have somebody finally say what we've been afraid to say. And we weren't sure anybody else felt this way. So we're so right. happy to hear what you have to say. So yes. It's right. interesting. So on your website, you describe
1: your experience heading into retirement, like you stated that you couldn't see any attractive role models. Retirement looked dismal and people looked at it at you as if you were dismal too. So explain to the audience more about what the purpose of Lester is and the ways that you're working to achieve your purpose.
0: Well, maybe Karen, I'll start and then you back me up. Um, I think that the... The original purpose of Luster um, writ large was to change the image of who we are. We did not see anybody out there in ads and social media and media that actually looked like us. And I don't mean just the way we dress, but like they had a purpose in life that we're living a life that we wanted to emulate, Mm -hmm. which was the same when we started, by the way. Right. But there was nobody that had purpose, that had accountability, that had responsibility, that were living in the world beyond the people that loved them, right? Out in the big world and doing something that they were proud of, which were kind of the people that we knew that were still interested in being part of that world. So the first purpose was to say, we now realize that we're not seen, we're invisible because we're hidden behind old, outdated images of what older women look like and what they want. They want to go to Florida, they want to be with in with like-minded, you know, like people and like communities and, you know, Florida and warm climates, all that kind of stuff. And we were hidden behind that. We just didn't exist. It wasn't that there was the wrong image, it was that there was no image right. of people. Us, So we said, okay, first and foremost, in order to find to be the role model, because there were none, we had to create an image for that role model. And we had to show ourselves not as people that they assume we are, but as the people we really are. I think that was the first marker that we kind of put down. The second thing we realized is that, that while there are a lot of commonalities, Martha, between Men and women, as you go through retirement and all the shocks of that, and all that other kind of stuff, that there were things that women were experiencing differently than men, and that there was no conversation among women because there hadn't been any women in large numbers before. I mean, it makes sense that there had been no conversation. This is the first right. time that there are large people, large numbers in the workforce, therefore a large numbers retiring, right? right? right. That we had something that was going on with us that was different than what was going on uh-huh. with the male population. One of those things was that our identity was so wrapped up with our work, not just the status, which is true of a lot of men, you know, they're lost, they're CEOs or they're whatever there are, and that's important and how they feel in the world. We, our identities were wrapped up in our purpose, the work we were doing. And and it was as important as being a wife or a mother or a whatever else right. you want. Right. And so the loss of that was profound. I mean, of saying, who, who really am I now? And we didn't have an easy answer to that. So the process of mourning the loss of our, our careers uh-huh. and getting to the other side of how to navigate that we started to figure that out and said we should share it. We've spent every day for a year figuring this out. Let's start sharing what we've, what we found. Karen, yes, uh, I mean, top level. yeah.
2: And just to pick up where Erica was talking, we realized that some of this was tied up with age, and that when a man is, reaches retirement age, sixty-two or sixty, whatever it is. <clears throat> He's still, you know, hot. He's, everything's fine with him. He can still hang out with the much younger women. Not, not that we think that's good, but anyway, he can. Okay. Whereas women who reach retirement age are actually over the hill now. Now they're yeah. unsexy, boring, and ridiculous, and whatever. Invis- and we, Invisible. Invisible, or, or to the extent they were visible, you don't really want to see it. And so we did think that visible the vision, the actual physical vision of women was really critical and that we needed to put that out. But we did also think things were changing in the real world. It's just that it wasn't necessarily um, obvious in the business world or the bigger world. For example, I had a conversation with a friend who's probably 20 years younger than me a little while ago, and she said, you know, I had a grandmother who I loved, very much. But I did not want to be her because she just was at home all day puttering around in her shapeless clothes. And, you know, I loved her, but I didn't want to be that. My mother, on the other hand, she's out and about. She's doing, she had a job. She's out and about still. She looks great. She exercises. She just bought a new car. I want to be my mother. And that's a really profound shift, I think, in the way that, the younger generations also are seeing the older generations of women. And we wanted to capitalize on that too by showing younger women that it is important to, first of all, it's a great privilege to be able to live as long as we're living. And secondly, you've got to use it and you've got to prepare for it, not by sitting around when you're 35 worrying about your skin or anything like that, but you know, to, to create a financial foundation and a professional foundation so that when you do retire, you can do something wonderful. And so all of these issues were issues we felt had to be confronted, but it took us quite a while to realize how many issues there were and what was happening, where we were in the scheme of this story, which was pretty much at the forefront because we were at the forefront of the baby boom. Right. Right.
1: And you were you're able to verbalize that and put that in like you just did and and put that into words and put that and create luster out of all of that. I mean i I feel indebted to you. I'm a little bit younger, but I understand. I mean, it was the same thing. I went through college in the seventies, and there was um, still a real a bit of a perception there that you you went to college to find someone to to get married to. And I had um, interests and things that I wanted to do, but there was no roadmap at all.
2: And right. and, it's, and if, you it's, if you didn't get married in college, then you got married within the first two years of working. And, right. But yeah. Right.
1: And you've already answered one of my other questions about women embarking on their careers now. And I see that with my Um, my son and his friends. And I'm just so uh, especially the girls in his generation, it makes me just so happy to see how confident they are. And, you know, you, you're two of the ones that set the stage for that. Um, You mentioned how retirement's different for women, and men. Is there anything you want to elaborate on that? I thought that was really Powerful what you said, Karen, about you didn't, the woman, your friend didn't want to be her grandmother, but she wanted to be her woman, her mom. And I want to set that standard for my kids that they want to, you know, I want to show them that um, there's another third of our life we have. And I can't imagine not having that purpose and some, you know, something that I'm contributing forever, not. You know, I don't think of retirement as as quitting. So,
2: No, not, not at all. I mean, the, the point is, we think that if you have had a long career, you have all kinds of experience. Right. Set aside the technical details of whatever you did. It means you've been through a lot of life situations in the professional <laughs> context. It means you have to have been a problem solver because you've had problems come up for 40 years or whatever it was right and you have the ability and you've all of your your experience and your and your skills are distilled now so you're not in the same place you were obviously when you started out you're in a place where you know what you're doing and the people who are coming behind you can use that knowledge so mm-hmm. the idea that you would put us all to the side and say you know there's no use for you in the workplace is ridiculous. We don't want to compete with younger people. We want to help them move along faster. And we think that many of them love to hear from us. I don't know, Erica, I think you would agree with that.
0: Yeah, I would. I I also think that for women, community is really important. And so, you know, we all lived our lives, men too, with ready-made communities, whether they were school or they were work or they were, you know, things related to what our kids were doing. They were ready-made communities from which you could choose. And then all of a sudden you're kind of thrown out, untethered from all the institutions that supported you for your whole life. And I think for women, men seem to be to some extent more comfortable for that, with that. You know, they find wherever they want to live or play golf or that small thing. I think women need more and need broader and wider swaths of people in their lives. And now the idea that you have to create that for yourself is is a challenge. And I think one of the things that Luster has done and we've done is by starting to talk about things, women are starting to use all those muscles in their brains that say, I know how to do this right? I did this at work. I actually did this. I don't think that I did this, but I actually did do this. And you can see people start saying, well, maybe I could do this, or maybe I should do this, or maybe I should try this. And being, having all those skills from work, you know, understanding risks, understanding failure, understanding all that kind of stuff, right? Makes that easier. I think for women, once they figure out that they've got to do it to actually do that. I don't know, Karen, if you'd agree with that, but
2: well, yeah, and, and the other thing I think that we found out after we retired, which probably we should have known this before, but we didn't, is that our lifespan is expected to be 30 more years. Well, you just can't be sitting around and playing games for 30 years. You can't. You, I mean, most of us can't. We need to have something purposeful to do. And that that almost scared us, like, wow, this is not what we expected. We really have to find a way through this. We have to remain connected to the world. We have to be players in what's going on in the world because we're not going to be sidelined for 30 years. So that was a big motivating factor for us, too.
1: Yeah, I've had many, many friends, women friends who've retired and struggled with that sense of what am I going to do today? They, you know, they didn't have any plans or part time work or um, and. It, it like yeah, it is. It is scary. It is. Uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, how do you feel? Retired people, without realizing it, are sidelined, as you stated, uh, put out to pasture in the retirement years.
0: I think that the the world, meaning the working world, hasn't figured out that diversity has to include people that are older too. I think that there is somehow this notion that there is an end and then we have to make room for the next generation. Uh And there hasn't been the thought leadership and the um, rethinking of what the demographics of our country particularly look like. Rethinking about where wealth is, rethinking about where skills are, rethinking about where that, you know, a, a valuable demographic is to assist. Instead, they're saying, you know, okay, you're done, you contributed, you're done, move on. Let's make room for the next wave. Rather than thinking, as they think about diversity, we need everybody, right? You can't have a diverse place and eliminate 48% of the population. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So I don't think I, for me, I don't think there's been the thought leadership and the examples to say, how do you create an inclusive workplace where retirement may be signal the end of something, you know, working in a certain kind of way with certain kinds of ambitions to succeed and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean that you've stopped work. Right. So we're missing something
1: when it comes to figuring out what, we can do something better for that, the third quarter. A different of our model. model. Right. Yeah, a different model of working. Right.
2: Right. And it's not a matter of filling our days. because We know how to do that. It is a matter of using what we have to make sure that other people can be benefited. Well, to
1: continue to contribute to society, you know.
2: Well, exactly. Right. We also think, you know, if if you are sidelined, if people decide you are not worthy of being, playing a role, you're likely to get depressed and sick and blah blah, 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 All these concerns about the aging population will come true because we will all be needy and greedy. If, on the other hand, we're not sidelined and we play some productive role, not what we used to do, but something new, we won't be. We will be, giving, not taking. And that seems to us an, a very important social uh, objective to make sure that the society going forward has, has a well-rounded profile of who everybody is and what we're all doing and everyone has enough to live on, so. And, and the collective
1: experience and knowledge of the baby boomer generation is just tremendous. It's sad to, to let that go to waste is how I think
0: it's crazy. It's crazy to let it go to waste. Yes. Yeah. It's a national asset. It is. It really is. Um,
1: What do you think the quest for gender equality looks like today for retirees and what ways are things still not equal and what do you feel can be done for it? Or is that, is that a big
0: issue? The whole gender equality thing. I think, it, you know, that's changing at the board level slowly. I mean, that's kind of where it shows up in the corporate world, the composition of boards. Right. Uh, typically white men, right? And I think that while it's slow. Very um, slow. It is it very, very slow. That has to change. But I really do think it goes back to something Karen said earlier. If we don't change this image that men are still sexy and vibrant and contributing and smart and the gray hair in the room and all that stuff that goes along with older men to make that apply, those images apply to older women too, then we're not going to, on the gender side, we're not going to see an equal um, access to the working world, the whatever the world that we want to be in is. I think it's a question of, how you see people and the the pull as well as the push. The push, I mean, we wanna be there, mm-hmm. but the pull won't be the same if it's seen somehow that older men have a, a bigger value proposition than an older woman. So I, yeah. I think we've gotta change how people are viewed.
2: And that's important for us because we want, we have worked all of our lives for gender equality. So it's very important for us But it's very important for the women who are coming up now, if they look forward and they see that we are not treated the same way as men, just because we are retired or just because we're old, what are they supposed to think? So we're fighting for it. We think it's very, and we think it is very much an issue. Yeah. And even though there was a time there, but Eric and I laugh about this, but 20 years ago, we were meeting a lot of. Young women right out of college who are basically saying, "Oh, you know, this is a post discrimination world. So why are you guys still worried about this?" And um, (laughs) who would be be a feminist? And we were thinking, "Well, my goodness, where did you get that idea?" And then, of course, there were certain things that happened that caused people to realize maybe not quite so fast. So we think it's still something to be fighting for, and we want to fight for it. Yes, and.
1: It's
0: taken so long. I, it's yes. very frustrating. Yeah. And we think, you know, I just to, to add a point to something Karen said, I think we think that our skills in navigating the working world really can help make our kids better. We don't want their jobs. We don't want to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We don't want their, all that stuff. But we think that what we learned can make them get to where they want to get faster just in strategies really strategy to navigate what the working world which has changed a lot but in many ways hasn't changed it at all right but to not have to repeat
2: what
1: you had to go through exactly exactly Exactly. yeah yeah so we've We've touched on this already, but retirees' identities are just overly connected with their former work. Is there a difference between men and women for that as we're seeing these changes?
0: I think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I do think that maybe because we had to work harder to stay where we are we value it more maybe we're we're holding on to it more a little bit that maybe because we had so many other roles too and that was so key you know if you think about a man i mean he goes he gets born he's going to work he's going to work his whole life i mean it, it's a trajectory for them too that's kind of stereotypical and they have to live up to that image so when they can i see it in my own family when they can stop doing those things that were expected of them. They really love being with their family. I have a brother that absolutely loves this part of his life. He's doing all sorts of stuff he's never gotten time. We, on the other hand, did it all, all the time. You know, know. personal and taking care of ourselves and taking care of them and taking care of whatever, whatever. Right. (laughs) So this piece of it that's gone feels like a piece that's been kind of wrenched out of the, the picture and we want somehow to replace yeah I
2: think we also think men are slightly more comfortable than women perhaps at saying yes I was whatever I was but we don't want to say I was anything we want to say I am and that's, that's a good point based on what we were but now we're who we are now and we're doing what we're doing now and we're not going to if someone says you know what do you do? We don't want to say, "Oh, I used to be a lawyer." I mean, that just—that's not an image we're interested in. So, I think that may be somewhat of a difference, also. Yeah, and again, that, that
1: historically, it's just such a slow process. But men in in the baby boomer generation, especially you know the beginning of the of that generation, they work to do certain things, and and I, I know it's hard on them too. And I, I look at younger men now who are the ones caregiving or they're truly equal parenting going on. And it just, it just thrills me because they're able to do that as well. And so it's both, it's both men and women that are benefiting from it. It's just so darn slow.
2: Um, And those men had to change the image too. I mean, they're going through the same kind of a fight and they're doing it. We're thrilled also. Right. COVID helped them. Yes.
1: Yeah, there are some silver linings in in COVID. I think it's maybe opening doors for uh, women in our age group that, you know, there's so many things we can do, uh, not going to work eight to five, but being entrepreneurs and starting our own business or, you know, there's so many ways to contribute and that's now more acceptable in a remote way, which is good. So mm-hmm. I have such a passion for helping women who are approaching retirement, especially with their social security claim decision. Um, do you, did, in your group in Luster, do you get many questions or have discussions about social security or other financial related topics?
0: Let me give you a short answer and then see what Karen says. I would say we have a great deal of interest in money. (laughs) You know, I mean, order and don't money and how we invest it and spend it. But frankly, until relatively recently, I'll speak for myself, I did not realize, and shame on me, how complicated the Social Security decision is and was. I don't think I made good choices at the time I chose, probably. I'm sure I left money on the table. I'm sure that I had no idea. I think I probably thought it was a zero-sum game. So if you choose this, you're giving up that, right? I think talking to you, Martha, we've realized that it may not be a zero-sum game. We may be able to have it all for the first time. in yeah. life. <laughs> you may be able to really maximize it. So kudos to you and your team, because I do think on the social security front, particularly Medicare too, but social security in the beginning, and um, I say this in all sincerity, I wish that you had been around when years ago when I was making those decisions. I would say to any of your listeners, if you haven't consulted or thought about this and in more detail, you it's worth the time and, and effort and money or whatever it takes to get this right.
2: Yeah, I would say the same thing, including the kudos. Uh, I think we've made it fairly clear to, on Luster that Erica and I are not expert in any of this. But we have recently come to realize that there are people like you who are expert. And so those of us who've been bewildered and uh, horrified by having to walk through this crazy woods we don't have to do that anymore and we're not going to tell people how to do it but we are going to tell them you just call martha and she will tell you and we're very happy about that because it's really kind of crazy they were all supposed to do this and it is so difficult as it is presented to you and thankfully now there are new people like you who are saying you know we can figure this out so let us do it for you
1: Yeah, there's, um, it's a hard time to have to deal with these complicated decisions. So our natural instinct is to just decide and do what our neighbors or friends or family suggest. Or I was so shocked when I first started learning about it, because I wasn't even counting it as part of my retirement assets. And for most women, it's their Many, many women, it's our largest asset Um, and it's not, it doesn't just stop at social security. I mean, we've spent all, all our lives working and earning significant money, investing, saving. And now the way we use that money and how we take it out in what order, when, you know, significantly affects the longevity of those resources. And so I'm just such a proponent of that holistic retirement planning as well, that it's social security is one of the best first decisions to make, but then there's so much more to it. And I appreciate the financial professionals out there who are giving their clients a very holistic Um, plan a roadmap for the rest of their years, because um, there's a lot that can be lost if that if everything isn't considered. So I hope our listeners are looking for people like that. I've had a few good uh, holistic retirement planners on the podcast. And um, it's really refreshing to to hear that because it's scary to start using that money that we've saved and hoarded all those years. And now we have to use it. And what if it
2: runs out, right? Exactly. I think that's the, a lot of people's big fear once they realize how long they're going to probably live. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't plan for that. What am I going to do? And so, yes, you need help uh, planning for that future financially as well as in all of these other ways. Right, right.
1: Um, some words that I, I read that you've, uh, you have on your website, I think you stated that we have a long runway we have long runways ahead of us. We remade the world once, let's do it again. And I just love that. I think women are so good at multitasking and we're strong and we're smart and we can do whatever we set our minds to, I think. Um, do you either of you have any last words? And I want you to share how people can get in touch with you and, and join the Luster group. Karen, you want to go first?
2: Sure. I, I think the last words are, you know, if you're approaching retirement or you are just retired, don't be scared. It's, it's a change and it will be unnerving. But if you've worked all of your life, you know what to do and you will figure it out and you will get to a really good place. And have a look at our website, lusterlustre.net, And you'll see what a lot of other women have done, what we did, but also there's a lot of women who write in We'll give you great ideas. But the main point is, as Erica was saying, we are strong. We've done this. We know how to solve problems. And we're going to do this, all of us. So by all means, join the movement.
0: I I second that. I think that it's once you get over the hump and there is something to be mourned. There is no question about that when you retire. Take some time to get over the hump. But once you realize that you can take control of of this part of your life, and actually, create something really great for yourself because you're in control for the first time. You're in control, mm-hmm. and you know what to do with it because you have spent a career learning how to do stuff. It's really it's an exciting time, so you should join us. And well, thank you
2: very much, Martha. Uh, this is
0: a talk.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I just really and am in awe of both of you and. Um, I appreciate what you're doing and you're setting the standards.
2: That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.